How do working mums manage it all between raising kids, paid work, drop-offs and pick-ups, the incessant domestic load, friends and family and, well, let's just forget about me time. I can tell you it is a challenge. I'm Jacinta Tynan, news presenter, journalist, author and mum of two young boys. Welcome to The Mother Shift, a babyology podcast where we explore the ins and outs of different work-life situations with different mums. For single parents, the pressures are tenfold. Being the sole caregiver means that even having a night off sometimes looks like a distant dream. Tammy Brennan is an artist, producer and single mum. We're going to have a chat about the advantages and challenges of being a single parent and the importance of community. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Jacinta. So tell us about, if you can remember back then, your work-life balance before you had a daughter. Before I became a parent, I was uh, a full-time working artist and also working in the arts industry. So I moved to London in 2001 to pursue, you know, my dreams of being, you know, an international artist. So moved to London, um, gigging musician, that, that type of thing. Decided at that point, you know, okay, I'm sort of not making any money here. So I decided to go back to school. So started a pathway to a master's in business at the University of Westminster, which led me to then move into sort of the industry side of things, work for some major labels over there, also went to work for the BBC, working for the Music Copyright Societies and things like that. So I had a very busy, full kind of life in terms of still practicing my arts, but furthering my career in other ways, traveling a lot. Um, so yeah, very, very solo focused, um, on my career. I was in a relationship, so able to give a lot to my relationship. It was sort of fun, dynamic time. So we could just up and go and just jump on a plane and, you know, go off to the South of France and things like that. So yeah, life was, you know, really focused on myself, my partner at the time, but very much about pursuing my career without having to really consider anybody else in that context. That sort of life just wouldn't have been possible if you had a child at the time. No. So, yes, the minute you have to be a caregiver, um, things do change considerably. And, you know, and I do approach being a parent as a caregiver because you are giving care. You're feeding them, you're loving them, you're, you know, all the things that are required to raise a child, which takes time. You know, you have to have stability, routine. Um, not to say that, you know, I haven't pursued my dreams or my career still or traveled, but they have to be within the confines of reality, which is that, you know, children need to go to bed at a certain time. They need to have some familiar environments and surroundings. They start to develop friendships. They need to go to school, of course. So that starts to, you know, it starts to sort of not tie you, but it starts to define where you live, how you live, um, the flexibility around your time and the reality of what you can actually achieve within a 24-hour period. It's hard at that time, isn't it, to imagine ever having to be responsible for anybody else or having any other concerns. It's it's very sort of self-sufficient lifestyle, isn't it? That's correct. You know, you don't have to think about feeding somebody else. You can skip a meal. You cannot do your laundry. Um, you don't have to sit down and read a book to anybody. I mean, the idea of actually reading a book is so far from your actual, you know, or if you're reading a book is purely just for pleasure. So, yeah, it, it really does change your priorities and how you, you know, get all your ducks in a row. I guess, to get through your day, your month, your six months, your year. So the whole perspective just changes. So then when you were pregnant, how did you imagine that your working situation was going to pan out? So I was in um, a relationship at the time and I worked full time 
right up until I actually went on maternity leave. So I had a paid maternity leave. So I sort of planned to have the minimum of a year, you know, being at home. And we were in the position where Pebble was born in Canada and the responsibility of, you know, the income shifted to um, my partner at the time. Canada also has paid maternity leave for men. So we were in a position where my partner had gone in advance and was in employment and then was able to take six months as well. So it was great. We were both at home. There was um, an adjusted income based on what the maternity leave was for the both of us. And, you know, we hadn't really planned too far forward, but there'd be, you know, either of us returning to either part-time work or just a conversation around how that was going to look. Um, when we were in Canada, a family member of mine got very unwell, so our plans changed and we had to return to Australia. And that care involved me having to adjust my plans around going back to work for some time. So I had to assist my family with that. And then my partner at the time actually found it quite difficult to get work where we were situated. So we ended up removing remotely. We ended up going out to Alice Springs and he took a full-time job and I just was stay-at-home at that time. So, But it was a great little community and because I've sort of got a varied background in terms of arts and business and administration, things like that, I just picked up some part-time work, which was easy to do with, with, a, small, with a small child. So it sounds like you were pretty much a stay-at-home mum for quite a, a big yes. period of Pebbles. Yes, I mean, years. I had always intended to be the majority stay-at-home. My partner and I at the time had discussed that and he was more than happy to work full-time and I work in a part-time capacity and we'd both agreed we didn't really want to do childcare um, till Pebble was a little bit older. And so I was just working, as I said, part-time. I picked up some part-time arts administration work, which I could do from home. And it was a little community organisation where they didn't mind you bringing in a baby. Um, Pebble was sort of one by this time. And so that sort of continued sort of for the first three years of Pebble's life. So predominantly, I would say I was stay at home and just working, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week part-time. When you separated from your partner, Pebble's father, how did things change in your work-life situation? Well, it was uh, complicated um, because I, because we were living so remotely, I actually didn't have any family in, in uh, central Australia. So my first priority was to move back where I had close friends and family. So that involved actually a relocation. And I decided to move to Sydney because that's where I went to university. I had a lot of sort of contacts and networks here and felt that I would have a better chance of getting employment in my area. So that was something that had to be negotiated and was um, tricky at the time. But we moved without Pebble's dad. But I was in the situation of, you know, the reality check of coming back to Sydney where rents are quite exorbitant, um, that, you know, I would have to go back to full-time work. So that's what I started to seek out. And then the balance of what it would be to work full-time and have a child on your own became apparent. And what would you say the day-to-day challenges are of, of being a single parent? And you really were doing it on your own by the sounds of it. Yeah. So we, we came to Sydney and we were very fortunate. We had very supportive friends. So we stayed with friends for about a year, actually, until we sort of got on our feet, until I got full-time employment. Because without full-time employment, it's quite difficult to get a lease. Um, so there was little sort of 
obstacles that were in the way that meant it just took a bit longer to get settled, um, but managed to get full-time employment, get the lease, and then, you know, move into our own place. I decided to get a bigger house so I could live with other people, so share because I felt living on my own with a smaller child might be challenging. So the idea of sharing a house meant that I would have someone else in the house if I need to pop to the shops or, you know, um, if I had to leave for work early, there might be someone there that could, you know, take people to daycare or school and, and things like that. So I made those choices based on the fact that I didn't really have any extended family support. The contrast between when you were in the nuclear family set up and then when you became a single parent, it sounds really quite vast. It was a shock. Yeah, it was a real shock. And it took um, a lot of adjustment, um, not only, you know, in terms of physical resources, but also mental and emotional, uh, because I think you have these expectations around you know, your ex-partner and, and you have to really undo all those ideas around the nuclear family and start to redefine what it is to be independent because I, I'd been with my partner for nearly 11 years. So it was, yet yeah, to say the least, quite like a mental shift in, and an emotional shift to be able to give those, um, you know, resources back to myself and to be able to feel confident enough to be able to do those things because each step was literally like stepping into a dark room and trying to find your way around and turn on the lights and then, you know, go to the next room. So there's, it's, it's, it's just challenge after challenge. You're listening to the podcast The Mother Shift with me, Jacinta Tynan, and I'm talking to Tammy Brennan, who's an artist, producer and single mum. Stick around because later we'll be having a chat with our resident careers counsellor and psychologist, Kirsty Levin, who will be taking a look at each mum's experiences and challenges to help other mums returning to the workforce. Tammy, it sounds like some of the challenges that you face as a single parent will always be challenges. There's the big financial ones like housing affordability and, and financial stress, and then all the emotional and logistical challenges as well. Have they made you stronger? I'd say they've certainly made me more resilient. Um, you know, you don't feel strong. I think you end up coming out the end of something and surprising yourself with how... Um, strong you might appear on the outside to other people because you are kind of on the fly and making it up as you go. But yes, I feel like I'm wiser. I definitely feel like I'm emotionally more stable. Financially is always a struggle, but you know, I'm more aware of my capacities or abilities or limitations. So yeah, I, I would say it's definitely made me a stronger, more resilient person. And as a single parent, I guess you have to take it upon yourself to make your work work for you. How did you do that? It was a challenge because when you enter into full-time work, for the first year in particular, because after the first year you're sort of protected by fair work trade laws, which allow you to be able to negotiate the terms and conditions of your contract if your contract is ongoing. So um, in the beginning, it was just a constant conversation with my employer at the time, who was quite understanding. I mean, I work at that time I was working in arts and disabilities. So that particular area, I think, was more 
open and understanding of people's needs. And so that put me in a position to be able to negotiate that. So that might have looked like, you know, starting work a little bit later, leaving work a little bit earlier, working longer days in terms of school, after school care. But it, it certainly didn't come without hard work and would often involve, you know, putting in, you know, a business case or having to go to a board. Those things just don't happen. They need to be negotiated. But I just had to really stand my ground and advocate just purely from a human rights perspective that as, you know, a single working parent um, that has the responsibilities of not only a child and being a carer, but at the same time having to meet all the sole responsibilities of your rent and work, that there has to be some flexibility in the workplace to be able to support that. Otherwise, it's discrimination. Did you feel that being a sole parent, you really didn't have a choice, so it gave you that confidence to get in there and fight for it? Yeah. I, it, to me, it was basically about discrimination. So I just took that really hard line with it, and that's how I advocated. Of course, in life, you never know what challenges you're going to face. And on top of all of that, Pebble was diagnosed with dyslexia and dyscalculia. Can you just briefly explain what that is? Yeah, so uh, Pebble is neurodivergent. Um, she experiences difficulties with her working memory around language processing and mathematic processing. She's also dyspraxic, so that's vestibular and osticular integration. So she has these three kind of Ds, which just means that her processing time for learning is just, it's substantially longer. So it's nothing to do with intelligence. It's just a learning style and a pathway. And that um, involved a process of having her assessed and then advocating at the school to get support, which didn't happen. So she was sort of falling behind. And, you know, that, that led to a decision for me to actually uh, quit my full-time job and go into homeschooling to be able to give her the support that she requires, which she's needed for the last year. But good news, um, she's just been recently assessed and she will now be supported by the NDIS, which is the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So that's a relief. But yeah, it, it's been, you know, that's presented its own challenges, but it was a, a, a decision that had to be made because, yeah, it, it really just wasn't working in, in the public education system as it was. How on earth did you manage to homeschool your daughter alongside everything else? It's been a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> but a very rewarding challenge and it's paid off. So yeah, that, that's been hard. It must feel like sometimes for you, one thing after another. Do you see yourself as a victim in that way? No, I'd probably say more of a survivor than a, a victim. Um, but look, you know, you just have to do what's required. And it, it was upsetting to me working full time, rushing all the time, not having the time to actually sit with my daughter and understand what was going on for her seeing her struggle in the classroom, going to parent-teacher meetings and just being told that she's sort of in this low percentile range and not being given any strategies or um, confidence that that was going to be addressed in the classroom. And, you know, she's, you know, a couple of, at that time was sort of three years away from high school and I just was thinking to myself, what, how, how is that even going to be possible? How is this leap going to happen? So I just did some research and um, just yeah, thought that, you know, she really required a lot of one-on-one -on -one, and that assistance just isn't in the public education system. I did the math if I was to get extra tutors and all these other things. So it just worked that if I, you know, quit my job, looked for part-time work and balanced actually teaching her myself, going back to those fundamentals, that that would actually be a better outcome for everyone. And it has been. It sounds like you've worked quite actively in trying to build a community, build your own tribe around you yes. and Pebble. How do you go about doing that? 
Well, we live in the inner city, so a, a great advantage of that is uh, foot traffic. So you tend to walk a lot. And, you know, when you're on the street and you're walking, you meet people, you just you start to build community. I'm also a yoga teacher, so I have a small kind of in-home studio where... Oh, do you? Just throw that in there as well. <laughs> you're extraordinary. So um, that has enabled me to reach out to the community and people getting connected that way. Obviously, Pebble was in a school that was local. So we made, started to build friendships that way. And just over time, you know, the Darlinghurst community is quite um, supportive. And so, yeah, it, it's been a tremendous place to actually be a single parent because Pebble can literally walk out her door and there's a neighbour and she can go over there for a couple of hours, like which has just happened now. So I could come to this interview. So she's just at a friend's house and then, you know, she'll walk home when I get back. So people are, are very supportive. Um, I also... You know, because I'm theatrical, I, I run this sort of big annual haunted house, which I open up to the streets. So, you know, whatever you give, you get back. I just really believe in that. So, you know, over time, you just kind of make new connections. And yeah, and and I, for me, um, it has made Sydney livable. And one of the reasons why I don't want to leave that area is because of the support I have there. So amongst all of that, all these uh, incredible, endless obligations that you have raising your daughter and and looking after yourself how do you manage to prioritize yourself in there yeah it's a challenge i mean obviously something always has to give but the, the biggest balance is for me has been trying to balance my artistic practice with just actually making a living i mean being an artist in general, is very difficult in this country. So that has been the biggest sacrifice I think I've had to make is that distance from my actual practice and having to work full-time because that obviously limits the amount of hours and then you're caring for somebody else, which is your child. So that's probably the one thing that's really, I feel, had to take a back seat. But I've still managed to keep that ticking along and I've produced work, but not probably at you know, the um, the capacity I'd be able to do if I was in a relationship and there was more support in the home um, and I didn't have to work and juggle as many things as what I do. It sounds like what you've been through, what you're still going through in raising people on your own has really shaped who you are. Would that be the case? Yes, I feel in some ways, um, you know, I've, my identity, even though I feel like I'm still the same person, but, you know, I, probably from the outside, I'm not the person I was when I was in a relationship. And I feel... That that being being single now and being this um, support to my child and being completely available to my child because I chose not to really pursue or try and go into another relationship. I decided to weather what it was to be single and, and go through that experience. Um, I feel like that has shaped, yes, who I am at this point in time for sure. So if you look back at who you were 10 years ago before yes. Pebble came along... Things are so different, aren't they, to what you imagined. What advice would you give to that woman, to Tammy, pre-baby? Oh, um, set up a savings account. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, that, that's a really interesting question. Uh, just that, you know, you can't take anything for granted. And I think that you need to be flexible, you need to be adaptable. Resilience is really important. You need to be open open to change um, and that, yes, that life isn't just this kind of one direction, that it, at any point in time for anybody can change direction. And then, you know, to look after yourself, look after your health, make sure you get a bit of exercise in, eat well, because when you are in those times of extreme stress, those are the things that are important, you know, that you are healthy and you have support in place, like, you know, give 
give to your friends, you know, touch base, keep those networks um, in place because you just never know when you're going to have to pick up a phone and make a phone call and ask for help because they, they do happen. I imagine over the last 10 years of motherhood that there's many different ways you would describe what motherhood is. How are you feeling about it in this moment? Look, I it's the best decision I ever made in my life and I always, you know, think it's my most um, interesting creative endeavour. But, yeah, it, it hasn't come without sacrifices and challenges, but it has fulfilled me enormously as a human being and I love my daughter immensely and every day I learn something about myself. It's a It's kind of like... A reflection. Um, there's lots of things that I didn't get in my childhood that I get to do with my daughter. So it's sort of a healing process. Uh, and it's just wonderful to to see that person grow and evolve based on the decisions you make. But it, it is quite a reflective process. And sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be not so good. But it, it definitely teaches you a lot about yourself, I think, that you wouldn't learn otherwise. Well, your experience certainly helps put everything into perspective. Tammy, thank you for sharing your time with us. Oh, pleasure. That was artist, producer and single mum, Tammy Brennan. Our resident careers counsellor and psychologist, Kirsty Levin, joins us in the studio with some tips for parents in similar situations. Kirsty, you could say it's even more important, I guess, for single parents to negotiate flexibility in full-time employment. It is really important to negotiate flexibility and support when you're a single parent and you're looking at your employment situation. You need to be able to seek out, to start with, hopefully employers that are mindful and supportive of the responsibilities of parenthood as, and particularly as a single parent. And you need to advocate for yourself much more strongly than ever before. So having those open conversations with management and getting them on board in terms of being able to arrive late, leave early, work shorter hours, perhaps over a longer working week, or juggling in terms of the number of days that you work and maybe varying that up from week to week. All of those factors need to be laid out on the table immediately as soon as you've started that position. And being a single parent, childcare is not something they can just take for granted. There, There isn't someone else at home who can help out. How do people get around that? What advice do you have? Well, when you're a single parent, I think the type of childcare options available to you narrow down a little bit. You need to rely on more stable childcare options, such as childcare centres, because when you think about it, if you're a single parent and you're relying more so on a family daycare system or a nanny, then you've got only one point of support to look after your child. And if that single point of support then gets sick, then it falls back onto you straight away. So I often suggest to single parents that they should first look into childcare options where there is a more stable structure and a number of support people to help you out. And that means a slightly larger childcare centre where you're never going to be disappointed by someone calling in sick, potentially. So you need to have backup for your backup by the sounds of it. Yes, you do. Single parents have so much on their plate, managing working and and childcare and often without any support at all. Practicing self-care just goes out the window often, doesn't it? So why is self-care so important and how can single parents manage to get in that that me time? Self-care is 
one of the most important things that you could offer to yourself, especially if you're a single parent, because the job of being a parent is relentless. And if you're a single parent, you have no one else to fall back on day to day, typically, um, unless you're lucky enough to have friends and family around you that can rally, you know, and offer that support to you and that backup. So it's important to schedule in that time for self-care. You don't necessarily have the luxury of being able to take time off at a whim, at a short notice, because you can rely on a partner to be able to do that. When you're a single parent, you have to be very conscious about the time that you allocate or schedule for yourself to have some self-care. And no matter what that is, it might be a coffee with friends, it might be, you know, going to the gym. It's something that you absolutely need to maintain your sanity. Um, And really that goes for single parents and coupled parents, but more so for single parents who are really stretched beyond their normal resources. In Tammy's case, her daughter has special needs in terms of learning, and we heard her talk about that. What kind of support is there for single parents when this happens? It's just another challenge they face. The best thing that I can suggest from a careers perspective is that they need to seek out potential employers that are like-minded, that advocate um, for community, that advocate for families and have a very strong sense of corporate social responsibility towards the community and families in that sense. Those are the sort of employers that are more likely to support you in your position and to support you, you know, in juggling all of your various commitments to your child and to your work long term. Now let's just talk about school holidays for a minute. (laughs) They're supposed to be a joyous time but they are really difficult for working parents. That's when you've got two of them. So as a single parent they can be a nightmare. Have you got any tips for how single parents can manage this whole school holiday conundrum? Yes I, I do really feel for parents in this situation because I go through that same scenario each year. The best thing that you can do is gather around your support network and give them a lot of advance notice about what is up and coming. So every time there's a school holiday, call up all of your babysitters, all of your grandparents, parents, aunties, uncles, friends and family, people who you're happy to schedule in a little bit of time within that holiday period with, whether it is to set up a play date so that you can sit down and have a chat to another parent while your kids play and have a little bit of a breather, or whether it's you having your kids sleep over at your parents' house or be babysat by your parents for a brief period of time to give you some relief bring in all of your support networks. And if you live in a community area where you know your neighbours, harness those friendships as much as possible and do a little bit of a swapping routine or roster with your neighbours where you can call on them for a few hours of relief and the kids go next door to play and vice versa. And, you know, using all of those resources and people around you as much as possible will give you small bursts of relief and respite throughout that holiday period. Yeah, Tammy talked about the importance of community, which I guess is especially vital when you're a single parent. It takes a village and all that. As I always say, what village? Where's my village? How do single parents and parents create that community? Would you advise that we actively create our own tribe? Yes. Building a tribe is something you need to cultivate and you need to be proactive about doing that. You can't be sort of a passive recipient expecting people to come to you if you're just sitting back and waiting. Um, You need to be really proactive and take initiative about meeting people and putting yourself out there and trying to find those people that have like interests or like values to you. And so whether it's through a sporting club, a local neighbourhood community, a charitable group or, you know, your local neighbourhood community... Those are all the areas where you should seek out your tribe and seek out your network. 
as a single parent myself, I know how much I appreciate it when people do offer that support, when you don't have to always go out seeking because it gets exhausting. What can we do for those families in our life who do need some support, even if it's just company? A coffee now and then is an amazing way to be able to open up a conversation and let people just vent if they have any concerns or issues going on in their life. Giving them a very brief opportunity to take a breath and have a moment's peace by offering to look after their children, whether it be for an hour or, you know, whatever time is available to them. So the other area in which you can really give the most is by bringing people into your own family or bringing people into your own tribe and and offering a seat at your table when it comes to, you know, dinners or events or special occasions and and welcoming them with open arms to include them in any social interactions you might have. Because let's face it, the single parent community is the one on the rise, isn't it? There's more and more of them. It is indeed. Thank you so much for your time, Kirsty. That was very insightful. That was Kirsty Levin, careers counsellor and psychologist from the Parents' Village. If you're a working mum and you have a question about your work-life balance and how to keep on top of everything you're doing, send us an email, podcast at babyology.com.au. Subscribe to The Mother Shift wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like it, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and review. That's it for today's episode. I'm Jacinta Tynan. Join us next time for more of The Mother Shift, a babyology podcast.